their number one goal is to solve whatever health problem it is they have. I want to get rid of my pain. They couldn't care one bit, one iota about a spectrometer or the you know UV vis response. They don't care. They simply don't care. They're like, how do I make my pain go away? Okay, that's the only thing they care about. And so that whole, how do you solve that problem for the customer? And this other problem, which is, this is a device that never existed on the market before. You're listening to To Be Blunt, the podcast for cannabis marketers, where your host, Shada Taravi, and her guests are trailblazing the path to marketing, educating, and professionalizing cannabis. Light one up and listen up. Here's your host, Shada Taravi. Hello, and welcome back to a new episode of the To Be Blunt podcast. I'm your host, Shada Tarabi, cannabis business owner and brand marketer. And today we are diving into how one company has solved an emerging problem through technology for cannabis home bakers and cultivators. I'll start by painting the picture. You pull out a jar of cannabis because you want to decarb it and infuse it into some baking oil so you can make some edibles. There are a few scenarios at play. So let's say you may be fortunate to have purchased that cannabis flower from a dispensary, which means you know the THC or CBD percentages because those products would have been tested by a lab, which will produce a certificate of analysis testing for the potency of the flower, which is awesome if you then also know how to do math to get the conversion of how much THC or CBD to oil ratio will equal how many milligrams of cannabis per dose. But even my best calculations still steer me off course. The alternative is you might be a home grower and you don't have access to lab testing due to your state's laws and regulations, but more realistically, the pricing, as well as other variables, because it can be pretty pricey to test the potency of cannabis. As a CBD retailer, a potency test runs anywhere from $50 to $100, depending on the lab. And again, that's per test. So if you're not sending your flour or infusions off to a lab, then you're left to guesstimate how strong your flour is and then begin the process to decarb and infuse. If you haven't been in this scenario of trying to make edibles at home, it is very humbling and a little risky depending on how and why you're using cannabis in your life. Let's say you're making edibles because you're trying to treat some ailment you have and you want really precise dosing. For me, I'm just trying to bake some edibles because I want to be able to use cannabis in different interesting ways. And without a fault, every time I'm trying to bake something at home, I always screw up my calculations and formulations. And it happens to me every single time I make them without a fault. I pull a recipe, I guesstimate how strong my infused oil is, and then cross my fingers that I measured accordingly and that I will feel something slash don't overdose myself or my loved ones on said baked goods. I'm of course speaking from experience because this is a frequent occurrence for me whenever I go to make infusions at home. And yes, I could take my infused oil to one of the labs I work with and have them test, 
But it's not only inconvenient for the price, but also the time it takes to send my sample off and collect results, etc. So of course, I'm just thinking that there has to be a better way. And of course, working in the industry, I'm pretty perceptive to products and solutions in the marketplace. And while I have come across a couple of quote unquote at home testing solutions before, they were in the thousands of dollars and well, your girl isn't made of gold just yet. So those always seemed unattainable for my purpose, which is just to make a batch of infused brownies and be able to say there is X amount of CBD or THC in each brownie. And I know that I'm not alone. In comes Instagram and the power of collaborations and partnerships. And I saw this brand, Levo, hosting a giveaway with this company called T-Check, which was marketing itself as an at-home cannabis potency tester. Brilliant, this has been exactly what I had been looking for. For sidebar, my sister owns a Levo and I own an Ardent. Both are super high quality decarboxylators and infusers, and both have been guests on the podcast. So if you're curious about those types of devices, I encourage you to go look into them. But in my opinion, T-Check is a solution no matter how you decarb and infuse your oils. This is a product that can help you check the potency of that and also your flower. So inevitably, it all leaves us in the same conundrum. How strong is my infusion? So coming across T-Check was a godsend. I dove into the rabbit hole and I was really fortunate to be able to connect with their team and they agreed to come on the podcast and hooked me up with a T-Check device and the rest has been history. But actually, we're just getting started. <laughs> However, my curiosity was totally piqued. I've been playing around with my T-Check to test both my infused oils and my flour because why the hell not? And they have an add-on that actually can check the potency of the flour too. So it is a separate testing calibration, but like same main device, just like separate tools that you'll need to test your flour. And I thought that that was really cool because obviously there's a lot of home growers and cultivators who would love to know how strong their stuff is right there on the spot. I think as we see the market expand, there's going to be an increasingly more popular need for solutions like T-Check to help provide insight and information to the consumer in real time about what it is they are infusing and growing. We currently have 19 states offering recreational cannabis and 36 that allow for medical marijuana. And of those states, 26 allow people to grow their own cannabis at home. Not only are there more consumers being able to have access to flour to bake their own edibles at home, but more states are allowing home grow where these individuals aren't producing on a mass scale. They just want to be able to grow their own supply. And so looking at today's guest's story and business as a way to support this new submarket of cannabis consumers on their journey is really powerful and ultimately empowering. So today I am joined by T-Check's founder, Peichen Chang, and we discuss his journey from engineer to cannabis entrepreneur, what got him into this industry, and how his company has been bringing the convenience of potency testing into the power of a handheld device. We also discuss what it's like to market an ancillary business in the cannabis space, 
Like I mentioned earlier, I came across them through some social media collaborations they were working on. They really do a good job with influencer marketing and partnerships, so we touch on that as well. And we also get a little bit of a sneak peek on what is on the horizon for their technology, especially as it applies to a little bit maybe larger scale cultivations and how that can empower those who are growing cannabis flower to test their products on site. I hope you learned something new from this episode and appreciate you taking the time to tune in. If you like what you hear, please forward this episode to a friend. Share your thoughts and learnings with me on social media by tagging at tobebluntpod. And or please go leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help someone else discover the inspiring possibility of what it takes to bring brands to market in the cannabis industry. So with all that said, let's get straight to the show. Please join me by lighting one up and let's welcome Peichen to the show. My name is Peichen Cheng, and I'm probably the last person you would have expected to enter the cannabis industry because uh, I grew up on a U.S. military base in Japan. And so it's about as anti-cannabis as you can possibly ever imagine, right? And so I actually... You know, went, went through all that, you know, schooling in Japan and all that. And then I went to a pretty conservative engineering university. I'm in New York. Got into enterprise data storage, chip design and enterprise data storage. So I'm an engineer by background. And again, you know, very, very conservative industry. And, and so it was when I, when I first got into cannabis, all my friends kind of looked at me like, you did what? <laughs> One of those situations. But, you know, it, it all started because a friend of mine came to us and said, hey, you know, I'm using cannabis to treat my Parkinson's. Right. You know, of course, my reaction was, oh, really? I didn't know you use cannabis. And so that one question, that one conversation just sort of changed my view on what cannabis is. Right. Because, you know, in that, you know, military, Japan, all that kind of thing, it was always, you know, cannabis is that devil's lettuce kind of thing. Right. You know, that, that whole, you know, stay away from drugs, all that. And, and I looked at this person and I'm, I said, you're an executive at a big company. You're a professional. And you use cannabis? And she goes, yeah, I use it to treat my Parkinson's. Wait, you have Parkinson's? You know, uh, kind of thing. And it's like, well, obviously it's effective for you. And so that really, really changed my attitude towards it. Okay, Or, or began the transition, sort of all the change, right? And she said, you know, I, I use edibles because I don't want to smoke my medication. I don't want to smoke my medicine. But I have problems figuring out how strong my edibles are every month. And, you know, last week it was too strong and I couldn't go to work on Monday. And so, of course, the engineer always takes this as a challenge, right? I can build something. So we went off and, and you know, cracked the books open and, and figured out that, hey, there's a way to actually measure the cannabinoid content in my friend's infused oils, right? Infused butters. So we can tell her how strong her butter is so that she can dial in her cookies to get the effect that she wants. And so that sort of, again, took it to the next step, right? Which is, okay, well, you know, wow, people, you know, professional people use cannabis to treat legitimate medical conditions. Hey, we have a technology that sort of kind of works, right? And so I, I literally took our, our prototype, which is like this shoebox looking thing, right? And I sat, stood in front of street corners in front of dispensaries out in the city I live in. And I was accosting every single person that walked into the dispensary, right? Hey, you know, we have this idea. Can you use something like this, right? And, you know, we spoke with hundreds of people. And the response was overwhelming. It was like, how has this not been in my life already? How come somebody hasn't invented this thing already? And so, so from that, we decided to build the product, right? To you know, say, okay, well, I think the need is out there. We have the ability to fulfill it. 
let's go for it. So the, the few of us got together, we formed the company, and we went off and built this device called T-Track. And so it's now been seven years, <laughs> long road for us. And we've certainly learned a lot of things. The industry has certainly changed a lot in the meantime. It's been one heck of a journey, right? When we first started, you know, of course, there was always my friends going, you're doing what kind of thing. And then, you know, more recently, I was sitting in a cafe in the Bay Area and, you know, these three little old ladies sitting at the table next to us was talking about cannabis and how they use it to manage their arthritis. I'm like, wow, have we come a long way. <laughs> Yeah. So that, that's sort of our startup story. No, I just have to commend you. I think it's so obviously important that we highlight all these different journeys because I do think there's still a stigma, but you're right. It's come a long way since I'm sure those early years that you started the company. Wow. I mean, seven years as an entrepreneur running a business in cannabis, sometimes I feel like maybe you can relate to, I'm only four years in business as a cannabis entrepreneur, but I feel like I've been doing it for much longer. And then I'm still confronted with the stigmas that exist, but I really wanted to commend you on the approach that you took. I understand the unique nature of being an engineer and kind of having that aha of like, oh, I can, I can solve a problem. I can maybe build something, but really to take it to the, you know, kind of physical world where you are going physically in front of these dispensaries and trying to get in front of potential people who can qualify this idea that you have. And I think sometimes that thought process is lost on some people when they're trying to like get a product to market. They, they want to go really, really big. And it's like, no, go prove the concept first. <laughs> go, go talk to real human beings. And so I just love those little nuggets that I learned from my guests because I think those are the things that we can take immediately and put it into practice, right? I don't need some big fancy like marketing plan. Obviously, I would need a product to go take or a prototype to go take, but that's a pretty low barrier to entry activity to go do really anywhere you are. Just like, hey, go get in front of people, ask them questions about your product and kind of iterate from there. So to kind of, you know, set the stage and dive into more of your entrepreneurial journey, as well as T-Checks, you know, kind of offering in value as a product, I really want to understand fundamentally, it is a testing tool for people to test, like you're sharing, you know, butters, oils. I've now received a T-Check device, so I've been able to kind of play around with it. You also have like a, an add-on that you can test flour, which I think is really cool too, because that empowers not only the baker who's making these, you know, kind of infusions, but also potentially a cultivator, someone who's home growing, somebody who is actually dealing with the actual raw material. But I also work in the industry professionally. And as a CBD business owner, I know that I have to get my products tested. So there's kind of this big gap of what I know testing to be, which is paying upwards of like $50, $75 for potency. There's other versions of testing where you're getting into, you know, are there chemicals and pesticides incorporated into it? And I think kind of redacting it back to, again, that end person who's looking to get their products tested. As a business, I might be able to make a larger investment, partially also because I'm required to get my products tested, especially when you're dealing with, you know, adult use recreation and medical marijuana states as well. Like that's part of your licensing is you are agreeing to get your products tested and reporting those products to the state. So I know that use case. And then I know the, again, home kind of baker or independent person, but outside of going to a lab, what are people's options in the marketplace that T-Check is kind of helping fulfill? Like what would people do if they didn't have a T-Check to go get their products tested for your friend's scenario? Which I mean, obviously she probably wasn't getting it tested. She didn't know she could go, but I'm curious if you know some of the nuances, for example, some states 
allow home growers to test, but you pay almost like a license, like an intermediate license fee. So you can go test with some of these big labs. Some states don't really have those programs. And so it's very interesting if you don't live in a state that has those programs, you're kind of SOL on figuring out the potency of your products. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious kind of how that spectrum exists from your perspective. Oh boy. Market. That's a big, that's a big question. <laughs> so I guess in, in a way we're fortunate because we live in California, right? So, sure. you know, we have a lot of resources available to us, but even though seven years ago, those resources weren't nearly as available. You know, you have one end of the spectrum, which is a home, do it yourself or, okay. As far as either edibles or growing and the other, other spectrum, other end of the range, which is your commercial farms. And, you know, and, and both have sort of their challenges right now. Today, T-Check is, is more focused on the, the consumer space. And so, you know, the products, I guess you can say products available or services available on the market, to your point, is diverse, right? You know, home folks, well, it's really difficult to crack your open, you know, your wallet open to, to spend 70 or $100 to test a single batch of cookies. Why, that's, that's a lot of money because, you know, your raw materials are barely that much. And the other end of the spectrum, you know, the farmers, you know, they're testing hundreds of samples at a time. And so their fees run into thousands really, really quickly, right? On the, you know, go back to the home side again, you know, well, immediately the only real competition out there is just trying it, right? <laughs> trying it yourself, right? And, and you sort of have to guesstimate how strong it is. There are a lot of ways to estimate the potency of your cannabis. So for example, you know, you can say, well, you know, a lot of homegrown cannabis is somewhere between 17 and 22-ish percent. I'm just going to pick a middle number, 20%. And I'm going to guess that, you know, we have X amount of decarboxylation and X amount of extraction efficiency and, and all that and kind of come up with a number. And that's probably the most reasonable thing you can do. The other way is, you know, if you buy your cannabis from a dispensary, then the potency numbers are on there. Okay. Now, you know, there's always that uncertainty of, well, you know, how complete did you decarboxylate, number one? Number two is, you know, how efficient are you at extracting the cannabinoids off of the plant? And so, you know, if you go on the message boards, you know, there's all these questions on, you know, what is the right plant to oil ratio or, so there's obviously a lot of questions. And so that's sort of the best way to guesstimate what your potency is. And so, you know, for folks who, you know, don't have access to T-checks or don't have access to labs, you know, I would say that's probably your best bet. The other products on the marketplace, you know, they, they are going to be a little bit more expensive. No, that's helpful to just like paint the picture again, because I think I consider myself a very educated, connected person in cannabis. And kind of like mm -hmm. I was sharing, which I'll reiterate for the listeners, there are, and you mentioned the word decarboxylate, which is essentially baking the cannabis to activate for the cannabinoids for those of the listeners who are unaware of what decarboxylating means, but it's a good word. Go look it up. Um, very empowering. And so I've come across this process, obviously home baking, but then now in the 21st century, which I guess maybe there are previous iterations of, of just like these home baking devices, but now they're productized. So you have Levo, you have Ardent, they're two leading brands in the industry who empower the home baker to make edibles at home. And I have been the recipient of both of those brands products. They've both been guests on the show. If you're curious about those episodes, go listen to those episodes with those companies. But this is like the other end of that, right? It's like, okay, great. Like you're saying, the only way that I knew how strong my edibles were was to roughly do the math, 
you know, did I get flour from a dispensary, hemp or marijuana? Did it come with a COA that I could attribute a percentage to? Okay, then I know I use this much oil and I'm going to do the bad math and I'm a marketer, which means I know nothing about my science really because that was just not my specialty. And so I struggle trying to accurately even do the calculations to determine what is the end result and potency of this infusion that I'm making. And so I was like, what do I do? What exists? And so when I came across you guys, I was like, aha, this is so empowering. And I see the opportunity because of what I know exists or the lack of what exists in the marketplace and people wanting to have a product that can help empower them when they are making these products at home. And so just to connect the dots for people, right? It's just, again, I know that these really expensive testing options exist, but like you're saying, if I'm baking a batch of cookies, I'm not going to necessarily go pay hundreds of dollars every time I'm making a batch of cookies. I want something that's also a little bit more real time. I mean, your device tests within minutes. And so I want to get into now a little bit of the, I guess, prototyping, if that's a fair way to kind of frame it. I'm curious how you go from being engineering minded of like, I can figure this out. I can make a product to do X, Y, or Z. How do you go from, this is the idea. Now I'm going to implement technology and bring this product to market. And so if you could talk about what I guess T-Check is doing from a technology perspective, how does that I guess, stack up to some of these other options for testing? Like where does the accuracy come in that can give people that assurance of knowing like, okay, I'm using this device, this device is working. And and was that how you started, you know, when you launched the brand seven years ago and kind of what iterations from an engineering and technology perspective had to go into developing the product that you have on the market today? Okay, so from an engineering perspective, I'm gonna give a little bit of advice for all the engineers out there, okay? The worst thing that can happen to you is not that somebody steals your idea. The worst thing that can happen to you is nobody wants it. If you spend all the time and energy and money to go off and build something and nobody wants it, you're in bad shape, right? So inevitably, somebody's going to take your idea and evolve it, okay? And there's nothing that we invent, nothing that anybody invents. is really, truly brand spanking new, right? I mean, even T-Check, right? T-Check is a spectrometer. The machine that labs use today is this beast. It's called an HPLC or high performance or high pressure liquid chromatographer. And so it's got this, you know, a bunch of pumps and solvents and all that kind of thing. And there's this thing called a column. And at the very end, there's this detector. That detector, as it turns out, is the same thing that we're using in T-Check. When we came up with the idea, we said, okay, well, you know, we can go build a better, faster, cheaper, smaller, whatever HPLC. But at the end of the day, people don't really need to know all of the information that comes out of an HPLC. HPLCs are difficult to run, right? The calibration standards that we use to calibrate our HPLC is hundreds of dollars for micrograms of the stuff. And so, you know, they're, they're difficult machines. And, you know, for the most part, people don't need all that information. They really only care about how much THC is in this thing. How high am I going to get? And so we started with that notion and said, okay, well, what if we simplify the problem chips, right? You know, HPLC, you can run river water through the thing. It'll tell you what's in the river water. Well, we're not going to try to run river water through T-Check, right? Our customers care about how much THC is in my butter, coconut oil, olive oil, butter, or my tincture. And so we said, okay, well, let's take that gigantic product space and narrow it down to something, you know, bite-sized. We're only going to measure four things. Okay. Well, nowadays we measure THC and TCA and CBD in those same four solvents, same four oils. And so with that, we can simplify the machine a whole bunch, right? So we took this 
you know, dorm refrigerator size machine and, and shrunk it down to a size of a deck of cards by not doing everything that that big monster can do. Okay. And so that was sort of problem number one, right? Which is don't take something that exists and make it better, smaller, faster, cheaper, but rethink what the customer really needs and just solve that problem. Don't try to solve the same problem that the other guy's solving. So that's problem number one. And then problem number two is, okay, well, how do we make this thing work, right? And so, you know, obviously, you know, with engineering, with a bunch of engineers and stuff, you know, we have mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, software engineers, blah, 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 blah. And we figured out how to make this thing work. And that's, you know, that's what engineers do, right? <laughs> you know, we, we take a problem, we boil it down, we carve it in tiny little pieces, and we solve one problem at a time. And so we did that. Now, of course, engineers aren't manufacturers, so we had to iterate the product to make it more manufacturable, right? Another thing was, it was difficult to build the first T-Check, the first functional prototype. It was equally difficult to get that first, you know, shoebox functional prototype into something that was manufacturable and sellable. And it was equally difficult to scale that problem, scale that, you know, that first manufacturable product into, you know, the thousands of them that we're, we're making today. And as the company grows, your product is going to have to evolve to sort of meet those demands, right? And, you know, if you go straight from functional prototype to scaling to make, you know, thousands of them, well, you know, you have to think about if that's the right investment decision to be making, right? Because, you know, we've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into tooling, which a startup company doesn't necessarily have, right? And so, you know, you have to figure out, okay, well, let's go build something that we can afford first, sell some of those. When we get more money, then we'll go and try to scale the problem. And so that was sort of all these little tiny little steps along the journey that we had to take from an engineering perspective to figure out how this thing worked. You know, of course, also along the way, you know, we figured out how to, you know, calibrate stuff better, well, ultimately calibrate things cheaper, right? Because the first one cost us, the first devices, we were wrapping $100 bills around every single T-check we sold because it cost so much to make. But we said, you know, we said to ourselves, this is an investment that we had to make. We're going to learn something from this. And, and so we did it. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate you sharing that journey a little bit behind the scenes too, because I do think there is proving the concept and also the investment that it takes to bring a product to market. And then like you're showing as you scale, manufacturing costs increase, but also give you more money if you're selling those products to then put back into the iteration. And, and so it's good insight for people who are listening to kind of understand maybe they're technologists themselves or engineers or just marketers who are fascinated with, you know, how products are brought to market. And so I find it fascinating because again, I understand relatively the HPLC machines and when I'm sending samples in and obviously the laundry list of reporting that these tests are producing for me. But as a license holder, I do have to produce, you know, total potency of all cannabinoids versus, yeah, the use case of a consumer might not need to know all those things. So the thought process of, okay, how do I distill what is really the care about for my target consumer, my target audience, and make that product for them. So very, very insightful. I want to transition a little bit into the marketing, the selling, the branding of the business. I think you guys have done an amazing job in terms of empowering your consumers. And I'm sure it's because you realize you need to educate people on what it is you're selling them so that they understand it. Because it's a tool that unless you have it in your hands, it's kind of hard to know how to use it and what to do with it. And so how did you guys approach, I guess, let's start with distribution and selling. Do you have certain channels that are more popular for you? 
Is it getting into retailers, brick and mortar dispensaries? Is it selling directly through your website? You've already highlighted, you know, kind of who your consumer is, but I'm curious how you kind of partner or market in some of these other channels to get your product in front of those consumers. Quick break to say thank you to Restart CBD for sponsoring this podcast. Restart CBD is a brand my sisters and I founded in our hometown in Austin, Texas. We operate a retail location as well as an e-commerce store, and you can browse our wide range of CBD products at restartcbd.com. Again, thank you to Restart for allowing me the time and resources to put on To Be Blunt. I hope you'll check them out for your CBD needs. Let's go back to the episode. Okay, sure. That marketing bit and, and how to sell was a complete learning experience for us too, right? You know, not, not having not come from a consumer product background, right? Because I was in enterprise data storage. Yeah, I didn't really know how to sell a consumer level product, right? And selling a, a device like T-Check is so different than selling, let's say, a HP printer or something like that. Because everybody knows what a printer is. Nobody knows what a spectrometer is. Right. And so that was really, really hard. And so early days in the, uh, the company, we had to experiment a lot with figuring out what messaging works. Well, how about this? What messaging works? What channels of messaging works and what channels of distribution works? And, you know, in the, in the last seven years, I mean, we've gone through a whole lot. Right. Not the least of which is a pandemic. And so that actually changed the buying behavior for customers actually a, a lot. Right. I mean, you know, we used to go to the ball. Well, that doesn't happen so much anymore, right? Everybody's just buying stuff online, right? Amazon, you know, Amazon's our friend. And, and so my friend or enemy, however you want to look at it. But right. um, um, so how we market also evolved quite a lot, right? And if you go to a consumer, right? Your average person who's making cannabis edibles, right? Their number one goal is to solve whatever health problem it is they have. I want to get rid of my pain. They couldn't care one bit, one iota about a spectrometer or the, you know, UV vis response, they don't care. They simply don't care. They're like, how do I make my pain go away? Okay. That's the only thing they care about. And so that whole, how do you message that, that, how do you solve that problem for the customer? And this other problem, which is, this is a device that never existed in the market before. So how do you say, yes, this is technology, which is akin to magic at this point. How do these two come together? Right. And so that was a balance that we had to strike. And that took a long time. It took literally years of us evolving the message, figuring out what communicates to customers better and you know what level of technology they can understand. And we have also have a spectrum of customers, right? We have one person that says, just tell me how strong my gummy is. And they have the other guy who's like, okay, I'm taking your T-check and I'm gonna compare it against HPLC, right? So, so we had to sort of satisfy both ends of those spectrum of customers. And so we had to experiment a lot with that messaging. Now, the downside of experimenting is it costs money and time. As you know, making websites isn't cheap, right? And so, you know, we had to place a lot of little bets out there. I guess you'd say that, right? We, we ran, I don't know, I say dozens, maybe more than dozens, hundreds of experiments on A-B testing in, in terms of, okay, well, what messaging works for this target? What messaging works for that target? What language works for either of the two targets? And so yeah, there was a lot of experiment and there continues to be a, a lot of experiment because, you know, Seven years ago, the, the attitudes towards cannabis is so different than it is today, right? I mean, if you go to the average person on the street and say, hey, you know, have you heard of CBD? Most people are going to say yes nowadays, right? Did, did, did that seven years ago. It's <laughs> like, what? Right? 
you know? And, and so even the, uh, I guess our country, if you will, our audience as a whole is educating themselves. And so that's, that actually helps benefit all of us, right? And so now the way we communicate to them can be a little bit different. We can use language that we might not have been able to use before as easily. So th- those are some, some of the things that, that has changed over time. And of course, there's, you know, the whole, what can and can't you say on social media, right? And I'm sure you navigate this all day long, right? You know, whether it be on Facebook or TikTok or, or Instagram or whatever, right? What can you say that can get past the, the internet sensors, right? And so that's also evolved quite a lot over time. You know, there's this message that you want to put out there. There's this moving target and there's a moving filter, if you will, <laughs> that sits between you and the target. And, and so, you know, it, that actually adds to the fun, right? Because, you know, we get to experiment a lot. But yeah, yeah, definitely new challenges every day in this market. Experimentation is so important because I think that like you're sharing, of course, you don't really know where the target is going. And depending on when you're kind of looking at the market, I mean, you just talking about seven years ago, people not understanding CBD. When we launched four years ago, I remember the myriad of conversations I was having, especially here in Texas of, oh, is this going to get me high? And obviously, depending on what product, full spectrum or not, there are trace amounts of THC. So it was just still this conversation of people not really understanding versus now, presently, you can have a little bit more of a mature conversation. We're still educating, but it mm-hmm. is kind of playing around. And I think even just reflecting on our own you know, experiences with our website, we're constantly changing our website. We're constantly testing out different messaging. If your website stays the same, you know, it's, it's not giving something new for that consumer, new for that audience to kind of latch onto. And you learn for better or worse, if it's resonating or not resonating fairly quickly now with technology and all the tools kind of, you know, associated with it. So that was super helpful to understand. I want to kind of follow up a little bit on, I guess, maybe channels that you find are the most successful just based on some of the observations that I've made, right? So you guys are very active on social media. You're active with your YouTube channel. You have guides. I know those are all kind of educational, but do you find that those are more helpful in getting people, you know, attracted to your brand versus doing, let's say maybe like a partnership or a collaboration. Like I, I acknowledge, I saw that you guys have done some giveaways and you're empowering, you know, influencers, which I guess is a variation of social media in a way, right? Where it's not your content directly, but you're empowering someone else's content versus maybe your own website and investing in SEO and your blog content. I know that, you know, it's not one thing that does or drives the needle forward, but if you had to kind of, you know, articulate those examples or other examples that your team has identified as being successful things that you've iterated and tested and experimented with and discovered, and I'll share, you know, for us, you mentioned TikTok, you know, we're not really on TikTok as a business. We're on Instagram, we do YouTube, but TikTok is a platform that is just not performative for us for all the reasons you kind of highlighted. And so we don't really want to lean into that spend of our time. But I come from platforms and technology prior to getting into cannabis. And so I believe our website is the most important place for us to attract new customers. So we've spent a lot of time investing in SEO, creating new content. Yes, you make content on these social media platforms, but how do I bring that back to my website? How do I kind of tie the bow around it for that consumer to get the information they need and ultimately, you know, add the product to cart and make the sale? So out of all those options, kind of from a marketer's toolkit, what do you feel And maybe there's some that you're like, we tried this and this was actually really not effective for us. I'm always just fascinated, you know, what people are doing kind of beyond the the basic things that people perceive as being marketing tools. I'm going to preface this all by saying the tools that are available, the tools that you should be using is going to evolve with the stage of your company. 
Okay. And so, you know, I can, I can speak to how we've evolved our messaging and all that, but it may not necessarily work for everybody. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay, always yeah. a disclaimer. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't look at this as a romance. Okay. It, you know, some of the things that we've tried in the past is print media. It didn't go over so well. Okay. We've also tried banner ads. Again, that was a bit of, bit of a struggle. Even seven years ago when, you know, nowadays people are completely banner blind, right? So that's sort of gone and done. You know, even seven years ago, you know, it was that, that trend was already starting. That didn't work well for us. Now, that's not to say it won't work well for others, okay? But it, it hasn't done well for us. Several years ago, we got a few bits of advice from somebody, right? And that was, you're in the cannabis business, of course. The one vehicle for advertising that will never go away for you is SEO, right? Because they'll never take that away from you. With advertising and influencers and, you know, even your own social media posts, you know, there's always that chance that the rules will change. Rules change all the time, right? The algorithms change all the time. And suddenly, you know, what works well as a, uh, you know, media path for you may suddenly disappear overnight. You know, in this business, you know, we've gone through lots of rounds of similar things happening to us, right? You know, um, where, we were working all nice and, you know, all nice and well. And suddenly somebody makes a rule change and poof, our business dries up practically overnight. And so SEO, on the other hand, that doesn't change. That, that will always, always work. And so we've invested quite a lot into SEO. And because of that, we've done quite well for ourselves. Okay. So to your point, that is just one leg of our marketing, uh, I guess, strategy, if you will. So when we get to a next leg, right, which is getting the word out. Okay. You know, we can build an audience for ourselves. You know, we're doing some of that, but we can also leverage the audience for our influencers and partners. And so uh, that's also worked tremendously well for us. Right. You know, so companies like Christie's, right. Lebo, you know, they've done an amazing job at building their audience. Whereas we spent, which we chose to spend a huge amount of our energy on SEO. The reason we did that was because, you know, from a technology perspective, our product was much more difficult to understand than Chrissy's. And so we felt that that was probably the, the right path for us. Whereas, you know, Chrissy was like, look, she's putting her money into, you know, other media paths, right? Building her own audience, building her own following. And she's been tremendously successful at that, right? So, you know, instead of us building that giant following on our own, well, we said, hey, you know, why don't we work together? All right, we're complementary products. Let's work together. And so with that, we built a small group of affiliates and influencers that has also done extremely well for us. They have, you know, audience that, you know, in some cases up in the millions that are able to reach their audience, right? And so, you know, with these influencers, you know, they're not just talking about T-Check, right? We just talk about T-Check. That's the only thing we got. Whereas they're able to talk about a variety of subjects and T-Check only being one of them. And so, you know, it works really, really well. That partnership works tremendously well. So affiliates and influencers is sort of our, our second main vehicle for communicating with customers. And then, you know, obviously I'm sort of adding partnerships like the Legal Oil Partnership into that mix as well. Moving forward, we're going to be experimenting with some other ways of building audience and, and, you know, getting the word out, things like advertising, you know, so although we may not be able to run certain ads that have words like THC and stuff in it like that, we are able to, as weird as it is, we are able to target keywords for those ads, even though the ads themselves don't say THC. So we'll say THC tester in the keyword targeting, but not say THC tester in the ad itself. So we're going to be experimenting with stuff like that. You know, we, we've started doing that on some platforms. It's starting to look pretty positive for us. So we're going to be doing more experimenting, right? There's always that game of, you know, how far can you push the envelope before the, the algorithms or, or the sensors cut you off? 
it's a very delicate dance. And so I was going to kind of follow up with that too, just where my brain is going after you shared all of that. Your product detects for THC and CBD or THCA and CBDA. Because of hemp's legality, do you find more success? And I'm sure you guys have considered it, but I'm asking, have you considered, you know, kind of marketing to that audience? Maybe those people aren't necessarily the ones looking for testing their CBD edibles, but like our customers come in a lot and they want to buy the flower because they do want to make their own CBD edibles at home. And so I'm just curious if pursuing that avenue from a marketing perspective in general, knowing that it still is as tumultuous, maybe in different ways, because CBD Mm -hmm. still is flagged in certain, you know, platforms and scenarios But how does that kind of hemp versus marijuana mix affect how you speak or does it not really because it's all kind of, you know, relatively cannabis? So from the platform censorship perspective, it hasn't changed much because, you know, we still get bunked on the head for that. But from the product development standpoint, it has changed quite a lot. A couple of years ago, I guess probably close to three years ago at the last MJ Biz conference, it was really weird because all of these hemp growers started coming up to us and say, hey, can you test, can you test this for me? Can you test this for me? And so... You know, on the trade show floor, we were like literally just running tasks on the on the device for all these hemp growers. And, and so, you know, it worked well telling the, the hemp growers, you know, what's their total CBDA content. But then they came up with the next question is, can you help me stay compliant? And so the answer actually came back as no, right? Because this current product isn't designed for that market, right? It was designed for the home cookie maker. And so that kind of opened our eyes a little bit because there were so many people that came to us and said, can you guys do this for me? Right. I can really use something like this. So, so that's what we're kind of working on next. We're taking our product. We're evolving it so that it can help the hemp, the large scale hemp producers stay compliant because there's a pretty big need in the market space for that. Right. You know, even now, even with the commercial labs available, you know, when you get to the hemp harvest season, I was just about uh, to bring that up. Yeah. October, November, whatever. Well, everybody and their brother is harvesting hemp. Right. And there's a lot of rules about how many samples you need to take and all that. And so the backlog at the labs is getting, you know, pretty bad. All right. And so we're actually working with labs to come up, well, labs and the farmers to come up with a solution that can help the farmers either pre-test or something like that so that it can help them stay compliant. And so they don't end up having to plow under their field. And so, you know, sort of everybody's happy in that situation. Yeah, I think that is such an like interesting use case because we deal with it just being in Texas and Texas really only having an industrial and agricultural focus for hemp and the concerns and, you know, kind of like pain points that these farmers and cultivators are sharing is they want that window to be extended because they don't have a lot of time to get from harvest to actually testing. And yes, if their crop comes up hot, they're not compliant. You have to burn all of it. And it's just down to days at that point. And so yeah, any kind of solution that can help empower that industry to continue to do what they're doing is obviously really important work. So it's really cool to hear because, yeah, I got a lot of peers who are trying to do that. And our legislative session is next year and that's on the table is can we improve <laughs> the timeline for testing? So yeah, we'll definitely have to keep my team posted when when you guys, you know, kind of release some of those products. But I wanted mm-hmm. to follow up a little bit too with what you're sharing about Levo and just kind of reiterate for the listeners too what I was listening to and just even my observation of kind of the partnership, it is something where you're finding something complimentary. Again, most people who are making edibles at home want to figure out what is the potency and strength of that 
product that they're producing. And so it is a very symbiotic, beneficial relationship. Maybe one of the companies is perceived larger, has a bigger audience. And so at that point, you know, it is what is the value that you're providing to the other company, right? So I wouldn't say every company is like, yes, let me go like help this other business accelerate and go to the next level. But I do think when you can figure out some sort of opportunity to kind of empower both businesses to share email lists or to share audience giveaways and just shout outs and things like that, that can really help bring your business to the target consumer that you're looking to get in front of in a more organic, natural way that almost like gives that seal of approval to your business because it's coming from somebody with authority or at least perceived authority to that consumer. So I just thought that that was so cool because that's how I discovered you guys was through Levo's content. And so I was just like, oh, of course, like this is me. I'm the consumer who's looking for this type of product. So I was happy to see that relationship relationship being expressed. But I know you guys also have an application too. I wanted to dive a little bit into your application. We've been talking about your website and obviously the importance of SEO. Have you always had an application? And then kind of also mentioning you obviously have invested a lot of money into building the business. And I know apps are not cheap. So the app is very beneficial to how T-Check works. And I can, you know, kind of outline for the listeners, yes, your T-check is like the size of a deck of cards. That's what you actually put the sample into. But to run the test, you use an app on your phone. And so the app is really great because it has all these videos that are walking me through how to actually do it if it's my first time running the test for my infusion with coconut oil or whatever my base is. And so the app to me goes very hand in hand, obviously, with your product. But knowing that apps are very difficult to execute. What was that process like? Because I think a lot of people probably listening are like, I would love an app. Even me, I'll share that, you know, transparently. Our company is like, we would love an app, but we're trying to figure out with e-commerce, integrating with my POS. It's just like a whole headache and a half. So your app isn't selling anything. Maybe it is, but it just seems independent. It's just part of the actual application using Bluetooth technology to actually power the test being run. So that was a lot of word jumbo, but you have an app. How did the app get introduced and how does the app function with your actual device technologically wise? Okay, I actually have kind of a funny story. I was, I, was rummage, I was rummaging around on my desk here because I, I, I actually, no, anyway, I have an old T-Check, okay? And the old T-Check actually has the same size as the current T-Check. But the big difference on the old T-Check was that it had a touchscreen display. By the way, remember when I said wrapping $100 bills around the, the device? Well, touchscreen displays are expensive. And, and so the, this is going to be a, one of those examples where you got to be really, really, really careful when you're interviewing the audience. Okay. Remember when I was standing on street corners trying to tell, ask people, well, how that, you know, do you need this thing? Oh, yeah. Well, the other questions, the other questions I asked were also, how much would you pay for it kind of thing? That's always a hard question. But what features and what capabilities would you like? Again, rolling tape back seven years ago, cannabis wasn't as prevalent as it is today. And so security and privacy was more of a concern. And so, you know, we, we got a number of quite a kind of actually a lot, uh, large number of customers that said, yeah, you know, privacy is, is indeed a you know, good concern. And so that's when we made the decision to say, okay, at the time we were not going to build an app, right? Because as soon as I put an app on the phone, I know a lot about you, right? And so we went down that whole path of, you know, having this touchscreen device and, and everything. And so I'll also say I live in the Sacramento area. And so Sacramento actually turns out to be a little bit more conservative than some of the other areas of California. So that means most of my interviews were conducted in the Sacramento area, right? A little bit in the Bay Area, but most, by far the majority was here in the Sacramento area. 
And then we took the thing down to LA to a little trade show and we started interviewing people. Somebody came back and says, how come you don't make an app for this? And I said, well, you know, if I put an app on your phone, I know a lot about you, right? Aren't you worried about security? And he looks me dead in the eye and says, dude, I'm going to be posting about this on Facebook. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about privacy. I want the world to know how strong my weed is. And I was like, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> so much R&D, so much engineering. I'm making privacy and, and security and this whole touchscreen thing and this whole standalone thing. And this guy's like, yeah, make an app. I want to share this thing on Instagram or, or, or Facebook at the time. And I'm like, okay, we got to go back and fix it. So uh, of course we came out with a second generation T-Check, which then have the app. And so, you know, one of the big benefits of app is, you know, the phone has amazing computing power. Uh, you know, our, our little embedded microcontroller that, that drives sort of the, the spectrometer or the, the guts of T-Check, you know, it has pretty limited computing power, right? You know, the, the phone, not only does it have onboard computing power, if you need it, really, really need it to, you can send the raw data to a one of our cloud servers and, and crunch some massive numbers out there if you need to. And we don't do that today, but if you needed to, you have, you know, effectively infinite computing power. And so we can do a whole, whole, whole lot more, right? The very first generation of T-Check was only able to measure THC, okay? And part of that was because we were limited on computing power, right? Mm -hmm. When we opened it up to, you know, having an app on the phone, we're like, you know, my developers are like, Right. The cloud, that part of the sky is open and they're like, oh, my God, I can, you know, I have, you know, megabytes or gigabytes of RAM to work with. I have, you know, all this stuff. And so we, we were able to do, add so much more capability to the product when we introduced the app. Now, to your point, apps are expensive. OK. And the one thing you have to consider is once you plunk down the money to make an app, you're going to keep on plunking down money until the end of time. Because, you know, there's always going to be a new iOS, right? iPhone or Android or, or whatever, right? And so the, the foundational library upon which the app is built is going to change. And so... It's a really you, interesting point. <laughs> yeah, just when you budget this thing out, just, you know, put a line item on that you're going to be paying for a software developer and, until you sell the company, right? <laughs> kind of thing. And, it's, and then somebody else is going to pay for that developer. So it, it's going to continue forever. On the flip side is you get to add capabilities to your product. If the underlying hardware allows for expanded capabilities, you can add them later on, right? So for example, the great example is the ability to test, test flour, right? Raw, you know, raw flour. When we first launched T-Check, uh, the, the second generation T-Check years ago, it didn't have that capability, right? We designed that capability into the hardware, but, you know, immediately at the time, we didn't have enough money to, to finish that feature off, right? And so... We said, okay, we're going to bite the bullet. We're going to add that, that hardware ability in, but we're not going to add the software capability until, to, until much, much later. And so, I don't know, maybe a year or so after we, we launched the original T2, we added that function onto T-Check. And so, um, you know, that's been a game changer for us, but, you know, that was yet another, you know, big chunk of money into software development that had to be spent. Yeah, that's so crazy. I think even, you know, using myself as the example, it's like, oh yeah, I want an app not realizing, like you're, you said, the app iOS updates and you've got to reinvest in making sure that your app matches the new update. And that is, we know Apple likes to take our money and all the Android too. So it's this <laughs> never ending, you know, investment, but it is really cool to see the kind of like 360 view and, and obviously to being able to use T-Check personally and kind of play around with things. I can't say that I've mastered it. You know, I'm trying to play around. I did a flower, I did a flower test and I used flower that had a COA so I could see how close I was. It was pretty close. 
I think I did that one right, but then I did an infusion and that came back. I don't know if the test was accurate and my assumption on what it was was wrong, but it said there was essentially like three milligrams of THC per ml. And I'm thinking, oh my God, there has to be more. So maybe I did the test wrong. I need some more coaching. Maybe I need to keep watching the the tutorials and things like that. But mm-hmm. kind of, you know, final question to sum it up. If people are out there looking to continue to explore uh, your brand, your products, kind of what are some of the things that you hope people do? How, like, how do they approach? How can they best utilize T-Check? What are your kind of tips for the brand? I'm not about for the brand, but I would say that you know some of the most common difficulties that uh, that folks run into is that your material is not fully decarboxylated or something like that. That's a pretty difficult problem, actually, more difficult than you might imagine. So that's probably one of the bigger ones. I mean, just actually, literally yesterday, I was at home decarboxylating uh, a bunch of material. And I said, okay, for, for grins, I'm going to measure the temperature of my decarboxylation process, right? So I actually got four thermometers. Actually, technically speaking, five because the oven has its own thermometer. So I got five thermometers, okay? And I was measuring the process of decarboxylation. And, you know, lo and behold, all five thermometers read something a little different, right? And so that, that's going to be one of the bigger problems. Now, generally speaking, it's difficult to over-decarboxylate something. So I would tend to gravitate towards that direction, if you will. The other thing is, you know, when, when you use T-Check is, let's see, yeah, I, I'd say that's probably the, the biggest problem that we, we, we tend to have, right? And so, you know, of course, the questions of, you know, what's the oil to flour ratios and all that kind of thing, you know, that, that always comes up. So there are recommendations, depending on how strong you want to make it. Those are, those are generally pretty straightforward. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the things I observed from watching some of the YouTube videos and even just like influencer videos is to get an infrared thermometer, which mm-hmm. I didn't own. And so it's asking me questions like, what is the temperature of the infusion? And I'm like, okay, what does my thermostat say? I'm going to relatively use this temperature. So I think there's for sure a little bit of user error, just figuring out how to understand what tools I have in front of me and how to use it. But again, Mm -hmm. you guys have done a really great job with all your resources, just laying it out of what people need to do, what people need to use. So from a product perspective, very empowering. Also from an entrepreneurial perspective, very empowering. I think people who are listening should definitely go check out your brand and just kind of learn how you guys have put yourself out there and, and connect with your consumers directly. And so, okay, now final question, I'll transition it to from an entrepreneurial perspective in the cannabis ecosystem, you know, kind of what is your final tip, best advice, hope for the future for cannabis entrepreneurs and marketers listening to this episode? Mm, I say go for it. Just do it. Stop talking about it. Just go do it. Love this episode of To Be Blunt? Be sure to visit theshadatarabi.com slash to be blunt for more ways to connect. New episodes come out on Mondays. And for more behind the scenes, follow along on Instagram at theshadatarabi.com.